Hi everyone, welcome back to Hitchcock University where you learn filmmaking from the masters. My name is Taylor Bickle. Last class session we talked about the spirit of St. Louis and this class session we're going to talk about Love in the Afternoon. Um, I would imagine most of you probably haven't seen this movie. Love in the Afternoon is the story of a daughter of a private investigator who falls in love with a wealthy womanizer. Now, the reason most of you haven't seen this movie is for whatever reason it's sort of one of those kind of half forgotten movies in Billy's filmography. And, and in terms of research and, and, and pulling relevant themes and ideas out of, out of how this film was made, um, it's not a movie Billy was asked a lot about. He talks a lot about casting, um, but there's other films that I think are, are maybe better to talk about with casting. Um, you know, he talks about casting Gary Cooper in the wrong role, you know, that audiences didn't, didn't think of Gary Cooper as the wealthy womanizer, as the Don Juan. You know, he'd already done um, High Noon, and he was already very much a, um, a, he was considered, you know, more of the the honest law and order guy, not the wealthy womanizer, you know. And so there's there's that element to it, but I think... I think really the most significant part of this movie is that this is Billy's first collaboration with a man you'll see in the credits listed as IAL Diamond. Now, I'm honestly not even sure what IAL Diamond or what IAL stands for, but I know that everyone close to him called him Iz or Izzy. And from this point forward, Billy does not write a script without Iz. This is phase two of Billy's career. If phase one was Charles Brackett, phase two is is. Okay. So let's talk about is and let's talk about how they work together because I think there's a lot we can learn from them. The first thing is, let me give you the background. There was a monthly Screenwriters Guild magazine with some news about the Guild and it were some very funny pieces, which I liked. A name I always saw with these pieces was IAL Diamond. I always looked to see the writer's name with anything I like, and you couldn't miss a three-initial name like that. I inquired about him, and he came to my office. We talked for about half an hour. We went to lunch. We stayed together for more than 30 years. That came from Nobody's Perfect. Now, why did these guys work so well together? Unlike his work with Brackett, which was built on a lot of tension, on a lot of disagreements, on a lot of even arguing, um, but as you may recall, understanding what you can argue about is was different. Is was this kind of perfect soundboard, sounding board for, for for Billy. Let's you know what. Let me let Billy speak about it. Um, again, in nobody's perfect, he says when two people work on collaborators, it's more than just one plus one equals two. It equals eleven. You prop each other up. The important thing is is not to go down in spirits at the same time. If you can alternate between being discouraged, you have the other guy saying the new thing we're working on is great. I think we've got something. Then when he loses hope, the other guy comes in and picks him up. If you can get this coordinated, is and I did. So right there, this idea of, of they're always there to help each other. They're always there to kind of help prop each other up, to get the best out of each other. In the book, Billy Wilder Interviews, and in the interview specifically, you used to be very big, I am big, it's the pictures that got small. He says, I miss having a collaborator, a sounding board, someone whose tastes and ideas I respect. Also, having a collaborator makes you come in on time. Now when I hit an obstacle, I just go on to something else. Now it's important to, to understand the context of that. Is it died at this point? And that was a big part in, in kind of forcing Wilder's retirement. But the reason, as he says here, is having someone else makes you accountable, makes you come in on time. He says, now when I hit an obstacle, I just go on to something else. 
you know, Wilder reached this point where he didn't have someone else spurring him on. He didn't have, like what he said, that other person to prop him up. That other person that when he lost hope, some guy, you know, is would come and pick him up and get him on his feet again. When he hit an obstacle, he just became discouraged and he was done. That's the advantage of having a collaborator. Having someone who can come in when you're down. Having someone who who, who can think think around an obstacle in a way that you can't having someone who can who can make things seem manageable again and not like oh I'm never going to get this thing done but actually having someone someone whose whose taste and ideas I respect like he says but also someone that that's going to keep you accountable and keep you going cuz we've talked about how hard writing can be how hard filmmaking can be and sometimes you got to have that other person that can kind of help push you over the edge, help help get you through a tough day, a tough week, whatever. But there's other things about about Billy and Is that made them work really well too. In the series uh, by WJ, the writer speaks. Billy says there's a wonderful understanding between us two. If I'm very strongly defending my version, it would be tough for me to win it. I can just take the thing and throw it in the waste paper basket. The same thing with him is. If you start anew, if there's something that we both like, that's it. Just because I'm also the producer and the director, I would not throw my weight around because his arguments were logical, and I saw that. And the same thing with his suggestions. I would say, is, I don't think so. Boom. In a lecture with the AFI, he says he says something similar. He says, in order to have a good collaborator, you need someone who is talented, naturally, intelligent, and not vindictive. In other words, when I suggest something, and is my collaborator now, says, I don't think that's very good, I take that piece of paper and I throw it in the wastebasket, and vice versa. It's important that when you're working with a collaborator that you respect each other's ideas, but that you also step in and say, I don't think so, but then you also have to be willing to take that note and say, oh, you're right, that's not good enough. This kind of goes back to the Lubitsch thing where it's not settling for good enough. And that's that's what two collaborators should be doing. You should be spurring each other on to come up with better ideas. If it's not good enough, it's not good enough. And you need to be able to willing to say that to each other honestly, mean it with the best intentions, and then take it from each other, not personally. Billy says later in the in the AFI lecture, you have to be a born collaborator. You know, you have to know how to take notes from other people you need to know when to step in and when to step back you need to know when you have a good idea and when that idea doesn't fit the project and you need to know when you have a bad idea when it's just not good or at least it's not good enough and the both of you need to be able to step in and keep each other honest about is that good enough but also remember he says just because i'm also the producer and the director i would not throw my weight around because his argument because his arguments were logical and i saw that that's the other thing is probably one of you this project is your baby but that doesn't mean that you get to decide that the other person's always wrong that's not collaboration you have to be a born collaborator okay so that's the writing process here's what would happen on set though and this is fascinating to me is was always on set listening to the dialogue so so what would happen is billy would direct a scene and is would be back there with the script in hand listening to what the actors are saying and following along word for word and making sure that what they said matched what the words were. So it was something Billy didn't have to worry about. Billy could just focus on the performances and the line readings and the and, and the decisions that the actors are making on set and let Iz worry about the dialogue. Because they're, they're both writers and they both care about that script. And they both shared that idea that 
what we wrote needs to be what happens. So, so they were able to kind of divide the tasks and, and, and have this kind of this natural division of labor. Billy's the director. Billy should be there with the actors. But Iz could be in the background making sure everything was word perfect like they wanted it to be. Billy says this in, in, um, in conversations with Billy Wilder. He says, he would talk to me on the other side and he would just whisper to me. But he would never talk to the actors because then it's co-direction. If it was no good or a line was muffed or if it was not clear... If he had anything to say, any observation or something that was wrong, he would come up to me and whisper to me. Then I thought I had a, then when I thought I had a print, I'd look at him. And he does like this, an imperceptible nod. And that means no words had been left out and it made sense. But if something displeased him very highly, he would just kind of make a little movement with his hands or his eyes. And I would see that he was unhappy about something. Then we will discuss it. Then we will do it right or we will leave it as it is. It was just understanding, you know, really collaboration. So let's break that down because there's a lot of fascinating things to me in there. First off, Iz never spoke to the actors. Iz never stepped up and tried to co-direct. He let Billy be the face. A lot like Brackett and Wilder, you know, um, they might they might disagree about something privately, but but in but they'd be unified in the front. You know, they'd be unified in public. Similar thing here. They would have these discussions privately with each other. And then, and then if they both agreed on something, then Billy would, would, would step in as the director, as he should. This is really important, especially in the United States where we're so individualist. It's very important that the director always have face in front of the crew and in front of the cast, I think. Um, like he says, he wouldn't, he would never talk to the actors because then it's co-direction. And, 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 and that just doesn't fly. That's the thing is... Very few filmmakers are able to make that work. Um, most of us have this kind of sense that it needs to be clear to everybody that the director, that, that, that somebody's in charge, that there's one voice that gets to kind of make the decisions. And that's it. And Iz was comfortable just kind of being almost the power behind the throne in many ways. But what's fascinating to me is that if Iz had a problem, he'd tell Billy, but then when Billy thought he had it right, he would double check with Iz first, which is fascinating. The fact that, that you have a director who's about to call cut, print, moving on, he looks at his co-writer first to say, did we get it? What do you think? If there was something wrong, then they would talk about it again. And that's sort of the, the, the fascinating uh, collaboration that Billy and Iz had, this kind of... And the thing is, they were super close as co-workers but they weren't close people and that's another thing that billy talks about is i don't have the quotes in front of me but he he says something to the effect that they never really talked about their personal lives when they showed up at the office they were there to work and that's it and they didn't have to have any of this kind of chit chat between each other you know they they just went straight to work and the crazy thing is that that ended up <laughs> that ended up becoming almost hurtful to Billy in the end because what happened was Iz got a terminal diagnosis and lived with it for about four years and it was only about six weeks before he died that he finally told Billy that he was going to die and Billy couldn't understand why Billy couldn't understand why even though they were friends they were really co-workers first why he couldn't tell him that and the only explanation Billy ever came up with was, well, maybe Iz didn't want it to interfere with the work. Maybe he was afraid that if he told me that it would 
that our work would suffer. And I don't want to hoist that up as being some kind of ideal, but wow, what a collaborator at that point. I mean, if that's true, if that's why Iz didn't tell him that, then you're really that concerned then 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 you have someone who really is that concerned about getting the work and that getting the work done right and that's really what a collaborator should be someone who is not concerned with reputation someone who's not concerned with power someone who's not concerned with having their ideas be the one someone who's not even really concerned with getting the proper credit but someone who just wants the work to be good that's collaboration, and that's when it's at its best. That's when you're a born collaborator, when you're willing to just work with someone on something until it's as good as it can be. That's collaboration. And that's all we have this class session for Hitchcock University. Um, in two weeks, we're going to do Witness for the Prosecution, and then we're going to do Some Like It Hot, and then we're going to do The Apartment. I mean, that's that's really quite a stretch right there. That's Those are three truly great films that I'm very excited to talk about with you guys. And I'm very excited uh, for us to get together and learn what Billy has to say about those movies and what we can learn from Billy on those films. But in the meantime, that's all we have. Thank you so much for listening to Hitchcock University, where you learn filmmaking from the masters. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, suggestions, feel free to reach out to us. You can email us at hitchcockuniversity at gmail.com. Uh, we have a Hitchcock University Facebook page as well as well as a Twitter account as well, which is uh, Hitchcock underscore U, the letter U is in university. Thank you again so much for listening to Hitchcock University, where you learn filmmaking from the masters. My name is Taylor Bickle, and we will talk to you again in two weeks. Thanks again.